0: Welcome to episode 132 of the Literal Leader Podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders, find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and the places that God has put us. I am beyond excited that you've joined me today. I know that there are lots of podcasts. I know that there's lots of places to find good material and that you took time out of your schedule to be here with us. It just means the world. And one of my favorite things is being able to go on and see your ratings and reviews. And I just want to say a huge thanks to D. Evans 22 on uh iTunes, who said it's such a blessing to be able to hear from leaders with Christian backgrounds and how they found success in all walks of life. The lessons and content are outlined and are all applicable to believers in every phase of their journey. Thank you, Mike, and all of your guests for sharing your knowledge and helping us grow closer to Christ. D. Evans 22, thank you. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. So if today you get a second, go leave a rating and review. Number one, it helps other people find their way to us. And remember, we are wanting to raise the spiritual temperature of, of people that are in leadership so we can look and live and lead like Jesus, man. Well, today's going to be a good one. So, today we're we're in the middle of baseball season. College baseball, now you're going to MLB's not going right now. No, but college baseball is and it is hot and heavy. And today we get to sit down with an incredible guest who is built literally building champions on and off the field. His name is Chris Lamonis. He's the head coach at Mississippi State University. Chris, last year, got the Bulldogs to Mississippi State's first national championship. Absolutely incredible run they went on last year. But to see what he has done, but behind that, who he is. In his three seasons at Mississippi State, he's got a combined record of 114 and 37. He's led them to -to back-to-back World Series appearances. But even more than that, it's the heart that he leads with and the faith that he leads with. Omaha is a great destination for every college baseball player. But Coach Lamona's dream for his college players is way bigger than Omaha, and you are going to hear his passion to help players overcome challenges when they're struggling and the way that he wants to be remembered by those players. You are in for a fun one today. So I want you to buckle up. I want you to pull out a notebook or something to write with, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with the head coach at the World Series Champion, College World Series Champion, Mississippi State, Coach Chris Lamonas. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It is an honor to have you, fella. Oh, it's. Uh, I appreciate
1: you letting me come back and talk, and um, it's always a lot of fun.
0: Well, This past summer, you stood on the field after the last pitch of the College World Series. Every dream, every program wants to get to Omaha, but you were the last team standing in Omaha. As you watched your kids dog pile, what was the thoughts and what were the feelings that went through you when that happened?
1: You know, it's pretty surreal, and I've said that to a lot of people. It's It's been a dream of mine since a, I was a young kid. Um, it was more as a player, you know, when you're a young kid, and then you become a coach, and it becomes your dream. And, you know, I'd always stay on and watch, the, the no matter what type of game, tight score, big score, I always want to watch the end, even in any sport. I like to watch the dog pile. I like to watch the celebration. I like to hear what the kids have to say. And um, so I've always been into that, and to be able to do that and win your last game and – And hug your kids on the field afterwards and hug your coaches. And, you know, even for me, going into the last game, they always asked me, Coach, what uniform are we going to wear? And and my dream had always been, you know, since we've been at Mississippi State, we were dogpiling in the maroons, you know. Mm. And so it was kind of one of those things you had foreseen and uh, you hope you always get to, but we just kind of always, you know. So it was maroons. We're wearing the maroons tonight. And uh, luckily we were able to play good enough and, and come out on top.
0: You know, getting there isn't easy. I mean, getting, get, you, you look back at it and you're like, man, if this break didn't go our way, or if that ball mm-hmm. didn't bounce this way, or that pitch had been called one way or another, when you, when you pull back from the season, what was different about this year than other years where you may have had a more talented squad or a, a better team overall? What was, the, what was the secret sauce of this season?
1: You know, we had a real resilient team. And I tell everybody that, you know, I've, you know, people at Mississippi state will say, you know, some teams were more talented than this team, but this team was mentally tough and very resilient. We had a, we had some big blows we had to take during the year. I mean, we lost, Arkansas came in here and swept us. Uh, We're about to have a chance to win the sec and Missouri came in and took two out of three at home against us the second last weekend. And, I mean, we were crushed. And then we go to the SEC tourney and we get 10-run ruled twice and get knocked out. And you would have thought the sky was falling in Starkville. And I give our kids credit. They were very resilient, very tough. We got hot, and so that's what you need to be hot. But, you know, through the postseason, we played three elimination games, three games. We actually played four because we had to play two in the championship series. But you, when you go to the ballpark and you don't know if you're going to put on the uniform again here at Mississippi State those are hard games to play. And our kids just, they played their best with the backs against the wall. And I think, you know, we were talented, no doubt, but we also just, there was a toughness and a, and we could take a punch and, and we just, you know, take it and get back up and get ready to compete again.
0: You know, you, you bring up getting 10 run twice. Leadership is tested, not when you get the win and how you did the press conference. What did you tell your guys after those losses to keep their heads up and to keep their hearts up.
1: You know, I've learned over the years, cause as a young coach, I would have yelled and screamed and, you know, been upset. And, and the more I do this, you know, we had a saying last year, we do it. We give out a game shirt after every game and going into a COVID year, you know, I, I really wanted the emphasis to be on the moment, you know, mm-hmm. right here, right now was our saying. So all year long, I would say it to them or give them the shirt with it. And that be, kind of became, you know, COVID, Now it's bad again today as we talk, but during the spring, it kind of got to where it wasn't as big of a deal and it became about all that right here, right now, just became being in the moment and playing that day and that game for us. And, you know, we really leaned on that a lot. And, um, you know, I think our kids really bought into it. So um, we talk about beginning, we play in, we feel like we play in the hardest conference and the hardest division in college baseball and you're not going 56 and 0 so you have to we talk about it we've already talked about it this year and we we had practice yesterday our first practice about uh how tough it is to play in this league and how mentally tough you have to be to be able to handle the grind of the day in and day out playing against
0: just unbelievable players in this league you know you go back in your in your playing days college playing days we were talking about before we went on you were at the Citadel and yes. you know you you we, we use a phrase all the time at North Star at the Church I pastor God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences instead of letting the easiest place to be to be a college baseball player what what shaped you while you played there and you coached for many years there as well what shaped you to make you who you are today as a coach?
1: you know it's, it's funny I, I was I was going to go to the University of Texas and walk on which I would have probably be an engineer now is probably what I would have been because I would have never walked on and made it at Texas. My high school coach uh, had just graduated the Citadel, and I had gotten an engineering scholarship to go to the Citadel. And um, he took me down, showed me around, met the coach. This is in June or July after my senior year of high school, which it shows you where recruiting is these days. And uh, I made a decision to go. I didn't put a lot of thought probably into it. And uh, if I could have gone home after week one or two, I would have. But I couldn't get in touch with my parents on the phone. So uh, that time I just had no. I just wasn't into the military and everything else. And as we fought through it, you know, Citadel it, it did so many great things for me in my career. I, I'm not here today without the Citadel. Its organization, its toughness. But you know, I was I was just blessed. It was my friendships. Mm-hmm. It was the guys around mm-hmm. me and I know everybody goes to college and has that luckily for me, I ended up with great, you know, Dan McDonald was one of my roommates. He's the head coach at Louisville. Tony Skoll is the head coach at the Citadel now. And we had some other guys that went out and coached and did, but, you know, we have a group now, our text message group, we, you know, a pals group, we call them pals and, and, you know, pals for life is what we talk about. And we, we, you know, shoot texts or crack on each other, but, that group of guys that I had, I, and I had a bunch of guys at the world series. We got on the field afterwards and after we'd won it and just, that's what I take out of the Citadel is mm-hmm. that group of guys, that camaraderie with the, with guys that, you know, for good and bad. Cause this past year, I, I, I've said it, you know, here locally as we've talked, but it was the hardest year for me, probably personally I've ever had. I, I lost my mom in the fall and she was the rock of our family. And then she took care of my dad. My dad has dementia. So then I become my dad's caregiver for about eight months in the house. And we, we finally were able to get him in a home and everything else, but it just hadn't been easy. And, you know, we're in the ninth inning and there's two outs. We're up nine to nothing. So you can at least take a little bit of yeah. a breather. And usually you don't get to do that. And my assistant coach who had been with me forever, <clears throat> awesome guy, Kyle Cheesebro, had lost his dad in the last year you know, and I kind of turned to him and I, uh, I, I, made a comment. I said, well, I hope big cheese is what we call them. And my mom are or enjoying this view from heaven, you know, mm-hmm. cause we knew, you know, it was just a, uh, and then boom, next pitch. And we're dogpiling. So it was mm-hmm. really a cool moment. Um, but like I said, it's my biggest year professionally, yep. probably my worst year personally. And, um, it's amazing how, you know, God puts all those pieces together for you. Um, Cause it's just, you know, and you know, so that was a, that was a really cool part of the year. I thought.
0: That's a really cool, you know, how did you, you go back to your Citadel playing days and then you go with Dan to miss, to Louisville, you're with him. And then if you took your first head coach job at Indiana, and then you walk into the legendary Mississippi state and it's yours. Did you feel prepared when you walked in like i know i'm the right guy to lead this or were there a lot of doubts in the back of your mind what what would you say i would
1: say there's doubts there's yeah. nervousness there's everything just being transparent you know between the lines and the baseball and the recruiting there was a real confidence there it's it's this job is more about a lot about a lot of other things than just you know it's the pressure of the situation here and the magnitude of the job here. I, I probably do less coaching now than I ever have in my career because, uh, you know, but I have a bigger staff. I have an unbelievable staff, but you're, you know, mine's more of the direction of the program and, you know, just keeping this, you know, keeping it moving in a forward direction in terms of all the stuff that goes because it's speaking engagements, it's alumni, it's, it's your big leaguers, you're, you know, it's playing in the sec and, you know, our, our kids are used to it and we talk about it and, you know, when we win, I mean, our fan base is unbelievable, but it's tough at times for a kid when he's struggling here or anything else, you know, so there's a little bit of everything that you have to get used to because it's, it's like being a professional player
0: in a lot of ways. How do you, how do you keep growing as a leader? How do you, how do you keep pushing yourself? The baseball piece is what you know, but now you're having to do all these other things. How do you continue to grow in those things?
1: You know, it's it's other coaches. I I I want I don't want to say steal ideas, but you know, one I have a a lot of coaches really close around me. We spend a lot of time talking, you know, on our group list. You know, we'll get videos or you know I pull you know even my team meeting this week. Um, I got different type of videos and different type of things you see, and I, I I really try to put Dan McDonald, who I worked with at Louisville, to me is the best motivator that I'd I'd been around and. He, he still motivates me now and I don't even, I'm not even in his program and I'm not even one of his players, but, you know, we just spend a lot of time talking and doing, and, you know, it could be, you know, whatever it might be, but I feel like it's a big piece and it's not just motivating to be a great player, to work hard. It's, you know, our kids deal with so much in this day and age, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, being a great student, being a great friend, being, you know, handling the pressures of life that we deal with now. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about, taking my uniform off, leaving it in my locker. And when I walk out of the stadium, now I'm a, I'm just a student here at Mississippi state, you know, cause I don't want them to walk around with their identity being, they need to get three hits every day or, or throw a shutout, you know? And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of leadership pieces that, you know, and I, I like to use clips, you know, and I like to keep, for me, I got to keep them short. My guy's attention spans not real long. <laughs> so it's two to three minutes, usually on a clip. And I'll show one a day or I'll, I'll read from them, you know. I have all my. They hate it when I pull my books out, you know. But I'll read some stuff here and there, and and talk to them a little bit. But you know, it's a, uh, you know, I, I'm going to mess this quote up, but not all leaders are, no, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Or That's exactly right. Yep. Because you're st- you're trying to just grasp more and understand. I, I was on the phone yesterday with a, uh, a former national championship coach, you know, a couple times, and picking his brain, you know, how do you, you know, you know, you want to enjoy this, but you also know that you got a bullseye on your back and you're, you got to get this team ready to go. Cause this team didn't win a national championship. And <clears throat> so I spent a lot of time, I call coaches and I talk to coaches and, you know, we have a big convention. I like to spend time talking to coaches there. So it's a little bit of everything, but it's something we are constantly working on.
0: Yeah. And, and you hit it the heart and soul of that group last year graduated, they're gone, they've moved on. And now, so how do you as a coach create a winning culture amongst these new kids? I mean, you're, you're not starting your first pitch. It's going to be in Omaha. It's going to be freezing cold somewhere in, in February. How do you begin to create that winning culture every year? Cause every year you restart it, you know, you don't get it's to keep a kids for a every life.
1: year. It's a, you know, you hope you have some pieces in your program that run through, right. That, you know, the expectations that we play hard, the expectations that we work hard and do. And, and I'd like to think we're, you know, a majority of our clubhouse is going to take the experiences from last year and we can move them into the next year. But this team is totally different than any other team ever. And so we, it's going to take us time. I, I keep telling them, Cause I think some of my older guys, they walk back in that locker room and it doesn't feel the same. Cause last year was so magical. Right. No. And, um, but by the end of the year, you're going to have some of those same relationships, same feelings. And you know, you know, you're, we're going to have success and failure together. Cause sometimes the biggest, you, you said it about coaching a little while ago, but as our ball club, some of our biggest growth is when we struggle, mm. you know, mm. and we have to fight through the struggle together. You know, it's, it's nice when we win and everybody pats you on the back and you walk out, and nobody, everybody goes to dinner. But during our struggles, we find out more about ourselves than anybody. You know, I had a player really struggle last year early, and uh, he ended up being one of the best players at the College World Series. And, you know, I'm, and I'm talking to his dad afterwards, and, you know, Coach, he learned so much going through mm, that. Mm. Nobody wants to go through the storm, right? That's but right. It's we, – we've learned so much about ourselves, and it, and as a team, we learn so much about our team.
0: You know, you 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 hit on it earlier if I would have gone through this as a young coach, I would have probably yelled and screamed and tried to motivate them that way. What do you wish knowing what you know now, and you're in the middle of your, you know, we're about the same age. We're really in the prime of our lives. Of course, is the way I'd like to look at it. I don't, I don't want to look at all the back yet. We're definitely in the prime. Um, what do you wish every coach, young coach knew now that you have learned looking back in the rearview mirror?
1: I had a um, Chris Burke played for uh, – do yeah. you know Chris? I do. Chris Burke is an unbelievable – he was my uh, – he ran our Bible study group when I was in Louisville, who's an awesome mm. guy, but he's also a great player, works for ESPN now, and he worked with us. He became our life coach for a year at Louisville. And one of the things he told me, and it really hit me at that point in my career, never forget how hard this game is. Hmm. You know, as a coach, it feels easy because we've seen it happen a bunch of times, or whatever it is. And for these kids going through it for the first time, because I was, and you know, coming from the Citadel was a little tougher place. I had been coached. You know, my I played for a Hall of Fame coach in Chowport, but it was he was tough. It was the old hard school, mental tough. I mean, and and it was tough. And so I came out of that kind of background, and you know, I probably you know, as a, as a young coach, you know, getting them to play free. Is something we talk about all the time here. And it's just hard to play free when you get jumped. And, um, you know, if I want to get on a guy or I have an issue with a guy, usually it's about going to class or doing something off the field, right? It's, that's usually where you get me upset. Yep. But if I do anything and speak to a player, it's usually in my office one-on-one. And I've learned to be able to, to – sometimes I would just get mad on the field. And, and you know, I, I like I look back and as a young coach, I shake my head now. But – you know, bringing a guy in and really challenge him here in my office, then, you know, try to do it as respectful as possible. So, but I think as a young coach, that's the, don't forget how hard this game is, especially the offensive side, you know. Oh gosh.
0: And that's the truth, man. This
1: game game can beat you down, you know, really quick. If you're not careful.
0: You know, it's funny. So I was, I was at Liberty 87 to 91 and maybe during that time, saw four or five guys over 90, maybe. And we played a pretty, pretty solid D one schedule. We're independent. Now that's that's just average. I mean, you don't see that, you know, our 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 guys would be late bullpen guys, all those guys. And it is it just gets the kids just get better and better, don't they? They're they're trained differently now. We had
1: 15 yeah. guys hit 95 last year. How about that? That's unbelievable. It's just now we had his COVID year, you got more pitchers, you got you're dealing with other stuff, but it was pretty crazy how many you know, how many guys throw. And it's just training these days. I yeah. mean, we got more training, how the body works, the weight room, the the analytics of the world. I mean, they just kids are trained so much differently than we were, you know, you, you'd pitch every five days and go run and come back and ice it and come back and do it again. So these kids are, they're in a lot better shape than we were back when we played.
0: Yeah. I hate to know what the pitch count numbers were back in those days, man. I don't, I don't even yeah. want to know right i don't even I mean, want to know
1: was, well i don't even know if we kept them you know <laughs> no,
0: so, gosh, no.
1: <laughs> so just let them pitch until they get tired but that's exactly uh, there's right. some guys here you know i talked to some of the older players here and you know they pitch a seven inning game on saturday close the game in the midweek and then pitch again the next weekend and you know nowadays it's not you know which i think we i have an unbelievable pitching coach scott foxhall and he's done a great job of you know we, we feel like we do a really good job with pitch counts and we were able to Maybe one reason why our pitchers were fresh when we were in
0: Omaha, you know, is as they, you know, just being able to hold on to them a little longer. If you could sit down with a high school parent, a young high school parent, and a young high school player, what advice would you give them that they may not want to hear, but they really, really need to hear?
1: You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, because recruiting is so early right now and everybody's worried about exposure. Um, you know, the really good player, you're going to get you, there's enough exposure now to be so dedicated to being a great player. And I think the big, one of the biggest areas is the weight room right yep. now. Cause as we sit here and we look at guys, most of the guys you look at, they're physically better in some areas, you know, and sometimes we end up playing forever. And I don't mind mm-hmm. multi-sport guys. If you go and play, I like football cause you run around the pads and yep. your body gets a little stronger, but I, I, you know, I think we get so caught up in exposure, that, um, I want to be the best baseball player I can be. And even, you know, I tell our kids, even the young ones that commit to us, you know, this, you're not good enough for us yet. You have to, Mm -hmm. there's this piece of the great baseball player continues to get better and you'll see guys plateau sometimes. And the guy that plateaus usually doesn't end up making it. And so, um, there's gotta be a real motivation and moms and dads just enjoy it. Right. (laughs) I, I had a daughter who played high level soccer and it was the funnest time of my life being a fan. I enjoyed watching her more than my team now. Like it mm. was just, you know, and there was stress and, but, you know, being able to enjoy that and, and realize, you know, sometimes parents think they're worse in their kids play. Yep. You know, as coaches, most of, now, there's some great coaches who have sons who are great players. But most of us have just normal kids who like yep. to play sports, and they're you know that expectation. You know, a lot of times we see the baseball coaches they play another sport because they don't want to be you know judged on it. Just you know, we start this originally just to enjoy it and have fun, get exercise, right? So um, I think that's the hardest one for some parents because they want it. Sometimes they want it more than the kid
0: themselves. Uh, that happens many times. Yes. That happens many it happens times. To you too. Yeah. So you, you you've mentioned your assistant coaches, and I think leadership is putting a great team around you. I mean, you, you said it, I coach less now than I probably ever have. And I've got to have people. How do you find and how do you keep great teammate assistants guys that are, you know, are doing more than just pouring in great information. How do you do that?
1: It's, it's never easy. Um, you know, cause there's two pieces of hiring an assistant coach one, they have to really know the game. they got to make the players better. They have to be great coaches. But I was real intentional when I came here because I knew the pressure of being in a place like this, mm-hmm. that I wanted to surround myself with guys that I would enjoy coaching with, that I really trusted, you know, that you have a trust factor with because just like the players I spoke about earlier, we're going to have our ups and downs. And in those downs, you want to have a group that, you know, hey, you know, put your head down and just work and we'll mm-hmm. be all right. We'll move through this. And and I have an unbelievable group. Like I said, Scott Foxhall, you know, I, you know, great pitching coach, but also, you know, we had been together. I was at the Citadel. He was at the college of Charleston. Oh, so we played against each other for like three or four years. And then we were recruiting coordinators. I was at the Citadel. He was at college of Charleston. So we had about a 15 year relationship and I just felt like he was a very calming piece in there. Jake Gotro, who's with me now, he's, um, been the national assistant coach of the year. One of the top assistants in the country, but, and, and he's going to be a great head coach here very soon but i do think we've been able to keep him because the continuity of our staff the relationship of our staff um eventually a bigger job will, will pull you away but we haven't lost him for average jobs because you know i think he enjoys being part of this and he you know I, I let my guys coach and i let them have responsibility you know and we you know and we i even say it, hey we don't agree let's all get in a room and And hash it out. And then when we walk out that door, you know, we have to all be on the same page at some point, you know, and so Kyle Cheeseborough, like I said, has been with me forever. So I've had a group and, and when I say staff, I I'm, I'm telling you three there, but I have another eight that player development coach and the operations director and external operations director and weight room coach. You know, there's so many pieces at a place like this. It starts to feel like a football program. Yeah. You know, so um, We have, you know, because of our resources here, we have so many different people working with our kids. So we all have, we meet every Monday morning and we have, we try to get on the same
0: page and have the same message every week. You know, people think about college baseball and they think about you coaching third base and you have a first base coach and a hitting coach, and maybe a pitching coach and nobody realizes, I mean, you, you have a, you have a company that you lead and you're the CEO of that company. And your board of directors are the uh, Mississippi state nation, (laughs) a whole state nation (laughs) that all, all have opinions. How do you keep your focus on what your job is when you have a lot of noise? Cause I'm sure when it's winning, it's a lot of pats on the back. And when you get, you get run ruled twice, yeah, There's a lot of, man, coach, have you thought about how do you keep your clarity as a leader during those seasons?
1: It's very simple. We just say, you know, we, we talk about it. Put your head down and just work and let's be fundamental and let's practice and control what we can control. And, mm-hmm. you know, in our world, you just don't want to make bad worse. We don't want to make a, you know, you could lose a weekend. You don't want to lose three weeks. And trying to minimize that and keeping our our kids want to win more than anybody. So. Yep questioning the effort or whatever, sometimes you just get beat. And I think in our world, we, you know, trying to keep an upbeat, trying to keep everything going in the right direction. Um, you know, I think that's a big piece of it, but the year before I got here, and I've there's a uh, Gary Henderson, who's now the head coach at Utah, Gary, you know, they had the, you know, they lost the coach in the first weekend of the season. They may have been the worst team in the country for about a three or four week period and they end up in the final four of the college world series mm. and uh, a lot of young players, a lot of players who I just coached for the last three years, you know, and uh, Jay Gotro, who was here at the time said, you know, I said, how'd you get through it? You know, how did you go through all that? The, the criticism, the everything. And he said, you know, Gary just said, coach them, just come every day and coach them. Don't judge them. You know, sometimes as a coach, like, Oh, we stink or all oh, that kid can't play or whatever. And, being able to clear your head and walk to the ballpark and say, hey, let's coach them. And, you know, they talked about they would just introduce a new element every week. He said, we didn't even use <clears> it. You know, it may have been a funky bunt defense, but we just wanted them to come have fun and, you know, there's such a fine line between being good and bad in this game, yep. you know, the kids in a slump, I always tell them, you know, your good swings is right here. It's just right beside you. If you can relax a little bit, you'll find it. But sometimes they can't find it because they're trying too hard. And I think as coaches being able to, take a little bit of that pressure off this huge because I I still credit Gary Henderson, man. He, what he did here in that job in 18 has propelled this program forward and was part of our national championship this year. Cause um, if he would have just gave up on the kids and complained about the kids and, you know, been that type of coach, then we're not, we don't win a national championship this year.
0: That's fantastic. You know, and, and you think about it, you didn't start the Mississippi State program, and but the guy who is known as the guru of college baseball and wrote the baseball Bible, Ron Polk, you know, is sitting in the bleachers at your games. He's sitting in your office. Is it hard to lead as a leader with even, in and, and it wasn't like he coached Mississippi State last week. He's been gone for a while, but yet his shadow is so big. How was that as a leader to deal with, and how did you deal with that? Well, he's also my neighbor, too, so we've got to put that on there.
1: We live about six houses from each That's other. That's
0: fantastic. And,
1: you know, his boss is John Cohen, who was the baseball coach here for 11 years, played mm-hmm. here for Ron Polk. So we have such a group in there, and I'll look up in practice, and they're both sitting up there with notepads. And I'm like, man, I wonder what their right <laughs> coach Polk is writing down. You know it was one of my biggest concerns coming here? not coach Polk, more John Cohen. Like, do you want to, you know, yep. you want to come in here and, and, and be in a program like that. And um, you know, this type of program with the stress and the pressure, and then, you know, have people over you that really know the game and are brilliant at the game and did this for a long time. You know, I, I, some of my other places, the ADs, they know sports, but they weren't into the details mm-hmm. of baseball. And I'm being very transparent here. You know, John Cohen has been, it, it's been a, a blessing for me because first of all, my you know, my first year I would call him. I say, Hey, I need your, ba- I need the baseball coach. Put your baseball hat on. Tell me about playing here. Tell me about the sec here. Tell me about, cause in the sec, not everybody, everybody's not selling the secrets. You know, we're That's all right. competing against each other. And John was a huge resource for me. Mm. And, and, and I'll say this and we haven't lost a lot since I've been here, but when we have a tough weekend, when we get 10 run world twice, the first text message I've gotten was John Cohen. All right. It's all right. You guys are good. You guys will be okay. Like it hasn't ever been a judgmental piece, which I, you know, that means a lot. when you. That's know, huge. Also saying that, you know, um, so he's been, you know, great in that area. Now, coach Polk, he's the man. He is the, <laughs> he has, I have never been around anyone who has a passion for the game mm-hmm. of baseball. The pureness of the game is coach Polk. And he brings an unbelievable personality every day. He loves the kids. The, he's always joking and laughing and giving you a hard time. And same with me. There's not a day that goes by that he's not going to come in and try to jab at you a little bit in, in a fun way, you know. And he keeps it very light, you know, and just wants to be around the game and coach the game. And we're so lucky to have him here. Our fans, man, they mm. love him. Mm. I mean, he is the best. And, you know, I joke when I, when I was in school, I said it earlier, I was an engineering major. For about three weeks and I had to call my dad and I said, dad, I don't want to be an electrical engineer. My dad was electrical engineer. He graduated from Mississippi state. That's amazing. You know? And so, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I want to coach and I could hear it on the other side of the phone. You know, he didn't want me to coach. And, you know, uh, so I went from EE to PE real quick. And, uh, my, uh, my professor, you know, my, you know, we had a baseball class at the Citadel and the book was the Ron Polk playbook. Right. I said, there's nowhere you could go that I, it was more applicable for me <laughs> to study the Ron Polk playbook. And uh, so he still has a couple thousand in his garage. They're still sold every day. It's amazing. And uh, But he's been a great, you know, reach, You know, and he, he does my radio at night and, you know, for the games, which you'd think would be a little scary. But he tells me all the time, I've never questioned you mm-hmm. yet. So he, to laugh. he said, one day I'm going to question you. I said, well, coach, I appreciate that. Like I said, he's always giving you a hard time, but he is i uh, I've never seen a coach and man, I hope when I'm finished his players respect and love him more than any coach I've ever been around. He writes them all their happy birthday yep. cards. He reaches out to them. I've never, it's just such a relationship. And that's why our, our, our alumni base of baseball players are so tight here. Because of coach.
0: That's exactly right. You know, I, I knew a kid that played for him at university of Georgia and, uh, same thing. I mean, he just would die for the guy. Yeah. He said, Oh yeah. He said, we moved. And the, my letter, he sent me my card bounced back to him and he's calling my parents to find out if I was okay. was, you know, was everything all right? Because the card came back. It's yeah. just, that's amazing. And, and I want to get into that a little bit. So coaching a player for four years is awesome. But that coaching, you're coaching more for the long term than you are the short term. What do you hope a young man who plays for you looks like 10, 15 years after he's done wearing one of your jerseys?
1: That's a really good question. Um, Well, I hope he's successful in in all areas of life, not just, uh, you know, just not just professionally, you know, no matter what it is, if he's an accountant or anything. but you know, you're hoping he's a strong father. You're hoping he's a strong husband. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to say teammate, but teammate goes, wherever we yeah. go in life, we're a teammate to somebody, right? And, and part of it, I, I think that's one of the bigger things. Um, you know, in our program, we talk about punching the clock, being somebody who punches the clock. And, you know, we wake up and we get after it. Or our feet, we talk about it, our feet hitting the floor, man, when our feet hit the floor about tacking the day. And those are some of the things that I hope they take and move on with them in terms of, of where they're at and what type of man they become, you know. It's we talk, you know, it's not who we place Sometimes how we do things is more For important sure. than other things, and and I think those are some of the bigger pieces. It's you know I'm at a point now in my career, like you said, we're in their best time of our life, but you know we got players who, but you know in my world, players who are married, kids, divorces, yep. um. I mean, just anything you can imagine. I feel like I've had kids reach out to me over the years and just want to talk or touch base. And, you know, and and I've been blessed, you know, it was funny when you win a national championship, like we did my Citadel guys, my Louisville guys, my Indiana guys, and my Mississippi state guys I've coached just so many people reaching back to you, not just the players, but people around the programs. That was one of the cooler things, even though my phone, I couldn't answer everybody. It felt like, but um, those experiences over the years and how you're maybe a, somebody, a sounding board for them is, is pretty cool.
0: I know we've, we were on another call together. Your faith is a big part of your journey. What role does your faith play, coach, in making you the coach that you are and the leader and the husband and the father that you are? How does your faith play into that?
1: Well, I think it's what you lean into all the time. You know, I just, it, it, for me, it's, you wake up and, you know, you say your blessings every day. And I feel like, you know, I'm so thankful for everything here and, and being able to, I guess it gives me a real humility. I don't mm-hmm. never take myself too serious and, and bringing that faith to our group and our kids is is an important part, you know, and never pressured upon kids, but, you know, I want kids to know and I, I tell them in our first couple of meetings of, you know, who I am and what I'm about. And the, and then I quickly that there's not there's not a perfection here by any means so i'm probably about as flawed as they can be so i uh you know i want our kids to understand that but you know for me it's a lot of peace that i deal with i grew up in a very strong catholic family like my mom and dad when when i come home for the holidays the our priest was at thanksgiving dinner you know it was and my mom and dad worked in the church all the time they would my mom had been to the vatican probably you know more times than you can imagine and you know, when I cleaned her poor house, I got rosaries everywhere. Right. Wow. It was, um, you know, that it's just always been there for me. It's always been a big part of our life and it's, it's a real connection, you know, with our family. And it's been nice to see my daughter, you know, my, my oldest daughter married her husband, they met in young life, you know, so it was, you know, I just, it just, there's been so many positives because of our faith and I, you feel like, you know, everything's pushed in the right direction for you from above. So
0: that's awesome. As you look back on your journey, you know, there'll be a day that you hang the hat up and you hang your, hang your turfs up and you move on to that next phase of whatever life has for you. How do you pray that players remember you Is if they were on a podcast one day and I said, tell me about what it was like to pray for coach Lamonis. I, I knew him a little bit from some calls. What was it like? How do you want to be remembered by those players? Man, that's a man. You're throwing
1: some good ones at me today. So, um, <laughs> you know, I guess you know, fair and for me. I don't know if that makes you know, mm, like I, I want to feel like it's it's really hard right now because you know, you know, I put up a lineup. I had 50 players on my team last year because of COVID, and I put up a, a lineup of nine guys. You know, there was so much. I, I, I want I want to feel like our guys had a real relationship with me, and I think that's the biggest part. And he and he cared for me not just because of what I could do for him. You know, like it's, it wasn't just about me getting three hits or winning a game for us. It was more about who I was and, and what my journey was. And, you know, I, I think some of those pieces are, are more important than just, Hey, he taught me how to hit a ball. You know, like I think that the relationship side and, you know, I also want them to think that this time of their life was the best time of their life. When I went to college it was the best time of life. I want them, I want it to be fun for them. There's obviously we got to work hard and their stresses and everything else, but I wanted to look back and say, man, I really enjoyed that coach made it fun coach, coach, you know, and we do, we laugh and joke a lot. I'm probably a lot more laid back than, than other programs, but I'd like to think our kids, you know, enjoy playing here and it's fun for them, you know, and, um, those are some of the bigger areas, but, you know, fair and, and, and having that relationship to where, you know, he knows a little bit more about me than just being my right fielder and what I could do for him in baseball.
0: Aren't you thankful for men like Coach Lamonas that are leading young men today? Those are the things you don't see on ESPN. You don't see it on TV. It's the behind-the-scenes leadership. And it's not just the leadership. It's the heart for Jesus that drives him to be who he is today. Is he perfect? No, but none of us are. But he's a man who is doing his very best to create champions both on the field, but even more importantly, way after they're done playing for him, off the field. Champion fathers, champion husbands, and champion men. Thank you, Coach Limonis, for sharing your story and sharing your journey with us. Well, We're going to continue in this vein. In episode 133, we're going to be sitting down with World Series champion head coach, MLB. World Series head, head coach, Ned Yost, who guided the Kansas City Royals to the World Series Championship a few years ago, and you are going to love Coach Yost like you love Coach Lamonas. If this podcast has blessed you, boy, please share it with a friend. Leave a rating, review, share it with a friend. It means the world that new people find their way to us. Thanks again for joining today. Now, go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you.